Welcome to the Antioch Initiative Podcast, a podcast focused on the unreached of the world and topics related to seeing the unreached discipled in Christ's kingdom. In this episode, we have on Rob Shibley, AG World Missions Area Director over Russia. He shares some powerful implications of being made in the image of God, as well as the importance of sharing the seed of the gospel wherever we go. Hi, I'm Nick, and I have the privilege of sitting here with Rob, who is Area Director in Russia. And we're going to be talking today about some of the things he's, uh, principles that he helped us with in class today. Um, and I'm really, I just appreciate your heart, Rob, for uh, those who don't have access to the gospel and uh, for how God's using you around the world today. And uh, today, uh, you shared about the image of God and how that's so important to us and how the image of God affects us in at least two ways, you said. Would you kind of re- recap what you had shared in your teaching today? Sure. First of all, thanks for having me. Um, the image of God has two very important implications. The first is that being made in the image of God means that we can relate to God in a way that the rest of creation cannot. Uh, A beautiful redwood tree may glorify God, but it does so passively. We, however, can actually have relationship with God. We can interact with God. And the second great implication is that we can actually act or speak on behalf of God. We see this illustrated when God has uh, Adam name the animals. There's a certain authority that's given when you name something. He did it. God chose not to name the animals himself, but rather to to give that task to to Adam. And then, of course, in the fall, that's messed up. And then we see in in, in Numbers chapter 11 where the spirit is poured out on the elders and there are two who aren't at the meeting. They're in rebellion and uh, they prophesy because the spirit comes on them just like he does the 68 other elders. And uh, Joshua asks Moses, should I stop them? And Moses says, no, I want all God's people for the spirit of God to come on all of them and for all of them to be prophets. And then Joel in chapter two of his book prophesies the day when everyone in fact would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it happens in Acts. And so there's this sense that God has a prophetic people, a people who proclaim, who speak on his behalf with his voice. And that's essential to our belief in reaching the world. Yeah, and that, of course, has great impact on missions and our philosophy of how we proclaim the gospel and our duty to do that, of course. Um, You know, you were uh, talking today about the importance of proclamation, and uh, you used the term um, broad sowing, which is amazing. Uh, But there's some people who say, at least definitely in our culture, people who would say that, um, you know, I have to know someone for a while or get to know them. Uh, so that I earn the right to uh, talk to them about Christ. What, what would you say to someone who's kind of uh, thinking that way? And what, what are the implications of that? Mm, sure. I, I think there are a couple of ways that we can look at this. First of all, let's look at Jesus. Uh, he proclaimed the message of the kingdom all throughout Galilee, all throughout Judea. He even proclaimed the message of the kingdom in Samaria and beyond. And so he sowed broadly. How many tens of thousands heard the voice of Jesus? And yet at uh, 
On the day of Pentecost, there are 120 who actually believe. But now look at what those 120 have have become. So Jesus sowed broadly to those who accepted and those who rejected. Paul sowed broadly to those who accepted and those who rejected. In fact, when we when we read the Gospels, going back to Jesus, we find that most of the people who are healed, most of the people who are transformed by, by Jesus in some notable way and that's recorded, it's the first time Jesus ever laid eyes on them. So the thing is, broad sowing keeps us from being limited by our own social capacity. What do you mean by that? See, if, if we look at the number of people who need to be reached yet in the world, over 3 billion people, if they all have to have a Christian friend and that friendship has to be nurtured over time before they can hear the gospel, will we ever, will we ever reach the world? Yeah, it seems like the, 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 the population growth would outstrip our ability. And then the second thing is, only the presence of the seed can identify the true nature of the soil. You, No one can convince me that the disciples looked at the Samaritan village in John chapter 4 and said, man, this is the place. I can feel it. This is a place that's, you know, we, we, we haven't done so well in Judea. A little bit of success in Galilee, but Samaria, That's this is the place where it's really going to happen. No, and yet an entire village comes to Jesus. It was the presence of the seed that revealed the, the quality of the soil. Only the presence of the seed can do that. You can't tell by looking at people. You can't tell by the uh, presence or absence of tattoos or anything else. By by affinity, um, God is working in people, grouchy people and dark people and light people and nice people and mean people. He's working in people. Yeah. So it sounds like you're saying we should be sowing the gospel everywhere is that absolutely i i just heard um a man who used to work among very high profile persons people in in washington dc i just heard him say that they would determine to speak the name of jesus in in conversations and that name of jesus god has a way of just honoring that as a way of revealing the nature of people's hearts through through god honoring statements and and the name of Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, in our in time we had a training time we just had. You were talking about uh, seeing the kingdom advanced and seeing uh, churches multiplied. And I've actually heard you talk about this before. And you're saying there's sometimes there's things we can do that actually hinder that. Yeah. Yeah. So here's here's the the basic rule. If we take anything. Uh, essential from the church, what we have is something other than a church. If we take Jesus out, we don't have a church. If we take uh, the authority of the scripture out, not in some doctrinal sense uh, that is just a principle, but in terms of its rule in our lives, then we don't have a church. But that's, we're actually more prone to the other problem, and that is that we add things to the church. And when we add things to the church, we slow down its ability to multiply. We take away its virility. So let me use some common examples. So most of us worship in a context where there's a a semi-accomplished worship team and they have practiced well 
if you have to have a worship team, if you have to have a keyboard, or if you have to have a sound system, or you have to have capable singers, or you have to have practice time, and those things have to be in place in order to have a church, you've just slowed down the multiplication of the church. Um, we've added something that's outside of Scripture. We've added it to the church, and it slows down its ability to multiply. Sure. Wow. What? Rob, I appreciate your sharing. We're just getting some thoughts here uh, about the spread of the gospel. I appreciate, you know, just uh, you're, you know, you've been involved in seeing the kingdom spread in a lot of places and contexts. And um, you have, I don't know, before we go, do you have maybe a testimony or something that's just a cool something God has been doing recently or anything you want to share from your part of the world before we sign off? Sure. Well, um, in Uganda, the Lord allowed us to see a church planting movement. And... Um, a lot of this began with us just redefining what a church is. There were a lot of popular conceptions about a church, that it always had to have a building, that it always had to have uh, certain fixtures and furnitures and schedules and things like that. And what we did was we just determined to take Jesus to the marketplace, proclaim the gospel and pray for the sick. And... Um, there were actually 300 teams that were sent out to do just that. And uh, they hadn't volunteered, by the way. So um, some of them went out actually reluctantly. But within two years, they'd seen 2,800 churches planted. Wow. Uh, virtually 100% of them begun because of a miracle, a healing, uh, deliverance, uh, some notable miracle took place. And so we find that when, when Jesus, when we take him outside of our narrow definitions and put him in where the world is and where the hurting are, that um, Jesus does well in that environment. That's amazing. That's so encouraging. Hey, Rob, thank you for taking time to share with us a little bit today at the Antioch Initiative. Um, may God continue to bless your work in the kingdom. Um, thanks again. God bless.